good afternoon. day. It's a good day. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. You know what that growl indicates. You already heard it. His voice right there. That is the fifth world wildcat. I am KG. You're listening to another podcast. KG and fifth world wildcat and Doc podcast. Let's get right into it, gentlemen. How you doing? First, get into the uh, scores, of course, from the College Sports Reporter. Then we're going to talk some uh, football. The we'll college football season has started. We're going to talk about some butt whippings that took place over the weekend, uh, Labor Day Classic, things like that. Wildcat, you got it. Well, fellas we, uh, and friends and family, we got everything today. This was a, it was the start of college sports all over the place. Got, uh, women's t- we're going to start out with women's soccer. Uh, Rice at uh, Western Kentucky. Zero zero nil, uh, tie. U of H and SFA, zero zero tie. Uh, HBU has their home open, home opener tonight on campus. Sorrel Field against TCU, seven o'clock p.m. TSU lost to Campbell four three. Then we have uh, uh, football, 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 football. It was a good week. It was a lot of games. Four here locally. Uh, one on the road with Rice, but let's get right into it. U of H started out Friday night, 62 over Southern 13. HBU lost to on yesterday to Sam Houston State, 74-0. And the home opener for both TSU and Prairie View, it was Prairie View 37, TSU 13. Rice went to A&M, lost to A&M 52-31. And, fellas, it was a good day. Yes, it was very in- interesting. And I had a chance to see uh, some of that volleyball action that you talked about with the volleyball scores with Southern coming all the way down here to the Texas Southern Volleyball Tournament going 0-3, losing all three of their matches against, obviously, uh, Texas Southern Prairie View as well as Oral Roberts. Oral Roberts came out of there undefeated, as you talked about, winning all three games. And Texas Southern showed uh, – a step in the uh, right direction, I guess you would say, uh, with getting some big victories over uh, Prairie View as well as Southern, ending their tournament two and one, and obviously Prairie View meaningful meaning they went one and two. But let's get into the big time action of football. And one thing that everybody wants to look at, obviously, is the big matchup in the Labor Day Classic is announced attendance uh, right at uh, over eighteen thousand three hundred sixty-one. Uh, it looked pretty decent in there. There were some empty seats. I think there was some questions because there was about a half, maybe 1,000 people outside looking in terms of tickets, and I think maybe the pricing was a little too uh, steep for them, and they decided to you know, stay out of it and not go inside the game. With some tailgate, tailgate was pretty decent. Uh, with the Astros having a game, they couldn't quite tailgate like they wanted to. So I think that was concerns. But that was on the outside subsidiary of the game. But when the action started, I think one of the biggest surprises in the game is Jerry Lovelock got the call at the quarterback position. He ended up going for 238 yards and one touchdown while they brought in um, Smiley, DeAndre Smiley, in short yardage positions. He actually ran a touchdown. Uh, in terms of getting it done and had some big f- fourth down uh, conversions as well a couple of third down conversions in terms of what he got it down. So that's some of the uh, things that you have. Give you quickly in terms of total yards. Prairie View put up 488 yards to Texas Southern just putting up 260 yards. Texas Southern, I thought they would do a little better on the offensive side of the ball. They were only able to punch in one touchdown, had two uh, field goals, so they're 
Uh, field goal team looked good. Prairie View missed the field goal, but uh, made up for it later and got another. Uh, toner, turnovers played Texas Southern with four, and uh, Prairie View had two for the game. So those are the things to look at. In terms of completions, uh, Prairie View went 33 for 43, including Lovelock, who went 30 of 39. Pretty good showing there. Uh, while there was Causey got the call for Texas Southern. Um, was a little up and down, I guess you would say. He went 6 for 17, 83 yards, and then they brought in the backup Small, uh, the brother to uh, uh, the Small that played last year, who went uh, 1 for 3 at the end of the game with 15 yards. So that's kind of what you're looking like in that game. In terms of one other stat I'll give you is total rushing. Uh, Prairie View had 172 yards while Texas Southern had 153. So that was the action that went on in terms of the big game right here in this area. On that Friday night, you had Southern against U of H. U of H showed up and did what they were supposed to as an FBS team and really took it to Texas, uh, take, took it to Southern winning that game 62-13. to So those are some of the big-time uh, games in this area. Some other news in terms of the top ten black college polls we'll look at. Just gave you the number ten, what Prairie View did in terms of beating up on Texas Southern. Number nine, you have South Carolina State. They lost a tough one uh, hosting Coastal Carolina, losing that game 27-20. to Pretty close game. Number eight, Alabama State was opening up their new Hornet Stadium there. They lost a close game too. 24 to 22 to Jacksonville State. And number seven, we told you what happened to Southern Jaguars in terms of losing uh, to U of H 62 to 13. The Cougars really did a good job on the Jaguars. At number six, you had North Carolina Central losing to Duke 45 to 0. They got a shutout there. At number five, you have Jackson State uh, losing to Tulane 34-7. The big-time announcement in that game was starting quarterback Lemontez Ivy broke his ankle, so he's out for the rest of the season. The backup, which I also found out as that happened in that game more that many people thought were going to be the starting quarterback, so it was kind of surprising when people saw Ivy out there. But what you found about more is the fact that he hurt his back uh, doing weightlifting uh, in the summer, so he's out. So Jackson State will be down essentially to their third quarterback. So that's troubling for them. Uh, at number four, you have Tennessee State Tigers. That game will be later today. That is at 8 o'clock, so we'll get you updated on that next week to see how that turns out. And that, again, is against number one. We'll jump up to there in terms of Bethune-Cookman. So that's really an interesting game that I'll be listening on the radio to follow to see how that turns out. Bethune-Cookman at number one is traveling Tennessee State again. That is a 7 p.m. kickoff time for us here in the central area. North Carolina A&T Broadway is off this weekend. At number two, you have Arkansas Pine Bluff. They got beat up pretty uh, solid by the Red Wolves of Arkansas State, 62-11. Remember that they are playing up to the FBS uh, position. And as we just told you about Bethune-Cookman, a couple of other games to give you about that we told you to watch out. is FAMU is just outside of that. They're closing out on a victory with one minute, 24 seconds left in the fourth quarter. Uh, FAMU is beating Mississippi Valley State 20-10. to 10. We're watching that on the ESPN uh, Watch app so we can keep you updated on that and might throw you a final score before the end of our uh, broadcast here as we do that. Uh, a couple of other ones uh, around this area. People are familiar with the Ground State Tigers. They were ho- hosting Alabama A&M. They lost that game 23-9. to So that will pretty much do it for the uh, greater teams in this area. There's a couple of more that you can look out for. Alcorn beat up on Edward Water Tigers 63-12. to Western Illinois lost, uh, I mean beat up on Hampton. 
uh, HBCU Hampton team there, 42 to nine. Morgan State played a close game and a loss to Army, 28 to 12, and that'll do it for your HBCUs that played this weekend in terms of the FCS battle. Well, I visited uh, up the road to Huntsville to watch the uh, opening salvo against uh, from Sam Houston State against HBU. That was our first game in, in uh, first football. A game in uh, school history. It's quite a few of the alumni came out. Uh, talked to a few alumnus that were there when they were uh, during that time of Division One when the program was canceled. Uh, the athletic program department was actually canceled. They were so happy to be involved in all in the festivities on yesterday at uh, Sam Houston State uh, in Huntsville. But a few of the uh, superlatives and negatives of this game. Uh, one, you know, the, the score being what it was, uh, was pretty much not a reflection of where the game was, uh, where the attitude was as far as the alumni. Uh, they were more concerned with actually seeing football happen yesterday. More than 74 anything. nothing, Wildcat. 74 Look, nothing. Basically what it boils We expected to, to be a butt whooping, but did you expect HBU to get thumped 74 yeah. nothing by San Pedro State? Yeah. Okay. Say that then. Well, Mr. Cotter Sports Reporter, come on now, do your thing. I know you, I know you got love all over the HBU and stuff, but hey, yeah, rally, the rally, the day, they got thumped. At the end of the day, it, it wasn't about football. It was more about them actually having that program getting started and going on to the, uh, moving forward because now there's a different attitude on campus with the student body because we all remember what happened at Prairie View when football was canceled. It kind of like set a of dullness across the, across the school. Did you have a chance to speak to anybody after the game? I did. I talked to the coach. Um, I talked to a couple of players. And I also had a, co- a conversation uh, with uh, President Sloan, and it was different. Are these interviews going to be available on your, your blog, Walker? They will. Uh, and your the, blog the, is what, sir? The blog is AKSV DCSR. Uh, the, pre- the conversation with uh, Dr. Sloan was not uh, – uh, was not videotaped. We basically had an uh, off-the-record conversation. Off, off-the-record that's good. conversation. That's cool. And see, that's because Wildcat is buddy-buddy with the big people over at HBU. See, that's how it is. Yeah. But, you know, it, it's all in all, everybody was happy, and they're moving forward. They are off until uh, the, uh, 19th, uh, to the 14th of September. They go on the road to Plainview to play Wayland Baptist. Two things I found out yesterday, I, just my observation. One, it was all of a learning and a teaching moment for both the coaching staff and the players. Two coaches actually found out what they have, what they didn't have, what they're going to be able to implement, throw some things out. But I will tell you one thing for sure. They're going to have to find a way to hold on to their offensive line coach, literally. Because what I saw out of them yesterday, they will get better. That offensive line will definitely get better. They're the, that was a that was a positive yesterday, only because of the fact the quarterbacks at HBU didn't spend that time on the back, looking up at the sky yesterday. It was totally. And trust me, I was around when Pastorina first got started here with the Oilers, and he definitely was looking up at the sky like at the Astrodome. In in your opinion, how give a timetable on how far away you think HBU football is, is away from being first Real competitive and then good. Competitive one year, being good two. It's going to take two uh, uh, two recruiting classes. Right now, he's I think they've got uh, about thirty to thirty-five scholarships 
available to them right at, uh, going in, starting the season, and finishing out. But within two years, yeah, they'll be competing. They'll definitely be competing because, as we all, the three of us all know, this is an area, Houston is an area to find second and third tier players that, can, that will play up if they're coached up. And Dr. Cavill, sir, you were at the, uh, as he talks about the Labor Day Classic. What were your thoughts on, what were your thoughts on TSU's quarterback play? Uh, I thought it was up and down. I thought uh, his first drive was very impressive, uh, did very well then. And then after that, I thought um, it was at best uh, average score grade in terms of what what he did on the field. I thought um, in the second half, Preview made some adjustments uh, to not allow him to throw down the field, which he did very well, and across the middle. Homer Causey, thank you, in terms of um, what he did on the field. But I think you'll see improvement as the year continues to go out. So I think that's one thing that happens in favor. He's a very tough kid. Uh, he took some uh, nice hits and got right back up. It was hot on the field, so his endurance is up because they were running a lot of plays for him. He was uh, making things happen on the field when he got a chance. So I like his uh, attitude and what he brings to the table. So I think it will be interesting uh, as you bring up the fact that Houston Baptist, obviously, they were playing Sam Houston State, uh, which Texas Southern will play in two weeks, which kind of brings up the connection with the league here. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if Sam Houston State will go f- and be able to put up around a 70-point mark on uh, Texas Southern because they have some challenges out there, particularly on the on the defensive side. Texas Southern, because of that APR, does not have a lot of depth. And at the end of the game, you could tell they were getting tired, and I think it led to some injuries. So uh, I have some major concern with that. Luckily, they have a week off to kind of get ready uh, to find a way to maybe get some of those injured players back. The other thing that will be interesting to see is Sam Houston State goes up and plays Texas A&M. Obviously, A&M played Rice. Rice did a lot of good things in terms of that game, particularly earlier. Texas A&M had... We must say that they had six uh, defensive players out of that game in terms of normal starters. Obviously, Manziel didn't play the first half. All the hype, I don't even want to talk about the hype around Manziel and all the uh, pundits out there going crazy. I didn't think it was that big a deal. I can understand why people may have a little something to say. But uh, at the end of the day, uh, it's the machine that causes all that. And then you get mad when the dog comes out and is hungry and does what he does. I mean, you polish all these players up, and then you don't want them to pay any money. Everybody else gets rich off of uh, being able to announce the games, uh, officiate the games, coach the games, be athletic directors, direct the games, as well as be commissioners. But the people that do all the action, you want them to just be nice and be a part of it and then get them out the way. And you really don't want them to have any say. You don't want them to have bring any light to them, but you don't want to pay them. So it's kind of funny to me and, and frustrating in a lot of ways to see how people decide to descend and attack on them. So that's one of the observations I've seen after that. Doc, I want to give your thoughts on uh, PV's next game, upcoming game against Texas State. But Wildcat, weren't you at the uh, U of H Southern game? If so, what were your thoughts on that? Basically, I got out of the game two things. One, U.S. defense, like I mentioned earlier, will get better. Uh, the first half, I was not satisfied with what I saw because of bad communication 
on both sides. Uh, too, too much of coming out of the hole penalties with too many guys out on the field. I had a real problem with that because it was almost like nobody knew or was paying attention. That's why you have assistants and grad assistants to let you know, hey, too many guys just walked out. Because that, that, trust me, on every team on the, on, on the Division One level has at least one to two people that counts guys going off the field and coming on. And once they get off the field, they want to know, they're looking back out on the field and counting to make sure there are 11 guys and not 12, not 13. And there's no way you should be, you should be wasting the time out in the process. The biggest thing that everybody talked about doing in the press uh, press box was the coaches, you know, with, with the, the the new penalties and the new rules and all that come in and all with the defense and the guys getting disqualified and all and the instant replays. The coaches got some in, had some input and they got what they needed. No repercussions when you're asking for a uh, doing a challenge. And trust me. I don't want to be 12, 15 walking out of that building from a 7 o'clock game that got extended because every play somebody had a question. Whether it was offense or defense, they challenged the play from, from the, uh, uh, I'm, I'm sorry about beating on the table, but they p- pissed me off the other night. I was That's not fine. happy. This is our podcast. That's because fine. Because you shouldn't be uh, – we all know games will be going to be three, three and a half hours. But four hours for a game? At least. If you're getting 81 plays, uh, 88 plays in, that's fine and dandy. But that government, you shouldn't be challenging every play just because. And that's what they did the other night. Now, hopefully, you know, everybody goes through this first year and realizes that uh, some adjustments need to be made to the rules. But to challenge just to be challenging... I don't think that's, that's 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 beneficial for everybody involved, especially if it's a TV game. Now, it, I like that uh, on Friday night. It was you know it was basically I think uh, uh, Comcast, uh, uh, Fox one of the, some, uh, one of the networks had the game. Friday's game was on ESPN three. Well, whatever. But at the end of the day, if you got a national scheduled game, you sh- nobody should be just constantly. Asking, having a challenge going on, because it was like that flag was coming up every time we looked up on every series offensively. And Doc, uh, first two things. First, let everybody know who you are, how they can find you, and get touch with your information. Second, uh, any thoughts on PV's game against Texas State? Yes, in regards to uh, who I am, I am Dr. Kenyatta Caville. You can find me on Facebook, Twitter as well as Instagram now. That's Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. That's D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. You can also look for my weekly reports on the collegesportingnews.com, as well as the top ten poll that I'll give you weekly on here. But you can also uh, get a breakdown of that top ten on TSPN or the collegesportingnews.com. In regards, let me follow up in terms of what we just talked about before I get into that Prairie View Texas State game. Um, I think there is a concern in terms of how long the games are going to be played. I thought another interesting component of what you were talking about there, uh, Jerry, in regards to the number of plays, you also seen a lot of defenses that were uh, having players 
either fake injuries or some of them were real injuries in terms of the early season and how heat index. So it's a little question back and forth. But also those are things that extend the game as well. So there's some concerns on that. You've seen a lot of the games in regards to this new rule with players getting kicked out. Uh, if it's in the uh, second half, obviously they have, they're expended for the rest of that game. It's a 15-yard penalty regardless. It took some TV time for that because it's going to be reviewed if the coach is asked, which you can understand why they are because you're talking about losing a player for a whole half, whether that's the first half of the second game if it's done in the second half and it's the uh, second half of the current game that you're happening if the penalty occurs in the first half. Watching that FAMU Mississippi Swag Challenge was the first time I seen actually the call made on the field. The guy ejected. He was leaving the field. Actually got all the way in the tunnel. They reviewed it, and that's the first time I'd seen this weekend where they rescinded the uh, penalty for the guy actually uh, being suspended for the rest of the game. Next game they did obviously upheld the 15-yard penalty, which is part of it. But I thought that was interesting. You heard that all weekend. The last thing I will talk about before I get into this next question, which I think puts it all together, is the fact that you had seven FCS programs beat up on FBS programs. That's formerly 1AA beating up on 1A programs for those that are not familiar with the FCS, which is the Football Championship Subdivision, versus the FBS, which is the Football Bowl Subdivision. Those are programs like Prairie View, Texas Southern, uh, in terms of Grambling State, North Dakota State, uh, McNeese State, and those two teams were teams that beat up on the FBS teams, which are obvious teams like LSU, Minnesota, Texas, uh, U of H, and the like. And so I thought that was interesting. One last component I will say before I do the final FCS prayer view playing up to a new FBS program moving to that next level is Texas State, is the fact that a lot of the HBCU programs that played up pretty much got handled. So they kind of let you know the spread of depth between where HBCU programs at the FCS level are against a lot of the non-HBCU programs at the FCS. In particular, one final thing I'd like to say about the FCS programs that got some of those big wins, two of the seven are, are top five programs in many of the top 25 rankings of FCS programs beating up on some of the teams, with that being North Dakota State, which um, – won the game this past weekend against Kansas State in terms of that big win, as well as um, the other program, McNeese State, uh, going down there and beating up on Southern Florida. So there were some big-time wins in terms of what's going on there. Uh, so it'll be interesting to follow up what that goes on, which leads to Sam Houston State against Texas A&M. Can they get that done? And finally, it'll be interesting to see what are your expectations for me looking at Prairie View going to see Texas State. I think uh, that should be an interesting matchup offensively uh, with Lovelock. He throws a big ball over the top. Um, they like to do the little spread option offense. Uh, DeAndre Smiley, the way they played him, was on short yardage. He's a big guy, can maneuver and power. So the question I had was on the uh, defensive side. Prairie made some good adjustments, so it, uh, they're playing very attacking defense on the defensive side. As they said, they held Texas Southern to just one touchdown and two field goals, limiting less than 300 total yards overall for the night. So that's the recipe if you can keep it close to find a way to go down to uh, Texas State and get that victory. I think it'll be close for a half, but I still think when you look at the overall depth 
of the talent. I think Texas State will get it done in the second half and kind of pull away in that game. I just want to touch on this. I didn't realize McNeese State blasted USF. Final score is 53-21 in Tampa, so that's at USF's stadium. Correct. Looked at the box score, USF led 7-2 after the end of the first quarter and then gave up 31 points in the second quarter, and the rot was on. Wildcat, correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't USF a member of the American? Yeah, the ACT. That's right. The American the Athletic act. Conference. Because so that is not a not a good look no. for one of your, your programs will, to get thumped by an much. FCS school by thirty plus points. I'm, let me mention this because that's the, that's the reason I I get I'm giving Rice as many wins as I am this year uh, for what I don't know what what happened, but the second tier Florida schools something is going on recruitment wise because none of those teams those second tier teams. And that's who they are, like Florida, uh, USF, uh, UCF, uh, Florida Atlantic, Florida International. Florida International. They didn't have a good recruiting class or some depth problems or something's going on. But this season coming into the, to the, the uh, 2013 season, they are not a good group. Wildcat, who are you, sir? How can folks find your information? Uh, you can find me online on Twitter, uh, Blogger, and YouTube. At AKSV, the CSR. Yes, just to add to that, a couple of more. Um, this one probably not as big as a shocker as some with Wolford going in and beating UConn, but the other one I think that is a strong statement. Another that, American school got dumped by an FCS act, school. The act. <laughs> Exactly, and that's kind of why I brought it up. The second one, which is even a bigger one in terms of ranking, is Eastern Washington, a big sky beating up on number 25-ranked Oregon State, the Beavers, 49-46. to So that's just what something to watch this next couple of weeks as you continue to see some of these FCS, FBS matchups and where these programs are, particularly the top five that really do well in the playoffs. And, again, I stress this because you have the SWAC that doesn't participate in the playoffs in terms of an automatic bid. They can get an at-large bid, and you have MEAC fans out there that talk about the MEAC uh, participating in the playoffs. They do get an automatic bid. But they usually are first-round exits and haven't won in the tournament since 1999. So I want to get it clear between those teams that are actually um, challenging for a championship uh, at the FCS level versus those that just participate. One of the other things that happened this weekend, uh, Bowling Green beat up on Tulsa, which was preseason's pick to uh, challenge and, and carry on the load uh, for Conference USA. And now that changes things, especially with the way uh, you and I talked earlier off the air. 500 yards offensively against a and that's 500 yards. You can't just can't just put that kind of yardage up against an SEC team or a team that's ranked in the top five or top ten in the country. Uh, even if, they, if you've got six starters that are on suspension, you got one program that's where they are, and then you have another program out of the SEC, the powerful SEC, depth-wise. A lot of freshmen, but you got to step up. You got to challenge. Five hundred yards is five hundred yards. And let me throw one more one more brick at the American. You, t- you touched on Tulsa losing that game. Tulsa is going to join the American 
in the following season, the fourteen fifteen season, is that correct? <laughs> so, that's so right. it's not a, like, it's not a great look. Like they, they're gonna be playing football, you know, because during fo- basketball season they will be the American to me because I know what they represent. But right now during football season they look like the act. And based on the weekend <laughs> of these teams, they might as well you might as well you are correct in calling them the act. So feel free, the the uh, American Athletic Conference took a beating. This weekend is not a good look for them. Not a way to, not a great debut. So in in that sense, I'm glad my Cougars won the game because they didn't lose. So you know they played Southern. They do what they're supposed to, do, and they won the ball game. So as an FBS school, they beat an FCS school, unlike their conference brethren. So there we go, Doc. What else you got to add? That's everything. The only thing uh, that you can go about the American. At least you do have a top five team in Louisville with. Teddy Bridgewater, they're playing now, so it'll be interesting to see how that falls out as they are taking a home game against Ohio out of the back. So, like I said, I think that's something to watch this year, seriously, as we as we like to pick on folks. But as we give the information, is continue to watch the FCS, FBS. Um, the playoffs are expanding this year to 24 teams at the FCS level. Does that mean that any of the uh, MEAC or SWAC teams can get at-large bid? This was a bad weekend. For HBCUs at the FCS level playing out, they did not get one win in terms of playing non-HBCU programs, whether they are at the FCS level, FBS level. The FBS were pretty much blowouts at the FCS. A lot of the games were a lot closer. And these were home games, so they were expected to pull out a couple of them. As I told you, South Carolina hosted Coastal Carolina, lost that 27-20. to uh, Alabama State hosted Jacksonville State, lost South, that. South Carolina State. Yes, South oh, Carolina State. Yeah, because you know, yeah. as all those uh, big time SEC fans out there, as they get it, even though they got kind of hit in the chest with that loss uh, by Georgia to Clemson. We'll throw that out there in terms of the ACC finally making a statement. Yes, the the ACC, not to be confused with the AC, the AAC. <laughs> That's right, folks. We correct some things, right? So those are the kind of things that we're looking at to continue to follow. So I'll I'll turn it off at that point. Well, the other thing, uh, uh, who else, matter of fact, who else at, at uh, Oklahoma State beat up on Mississippi State? It was a slow start in that first half because it was almost like another situation where new coaching staff, new philosophy, some changes in all the different positions, uh, freshmen coming in. But once they got going, they were able to accomplish what they needed to do as far as moving the ball and, getting, and, and making stops. But another SEC team went down. It was 21-3, Oklahoma State over uh, over Mississippi State. And that game was played here in town. And it was the least game advertised this weekend here in the in the, in the, in the Houston Check area. the attendance on that, on, that, on that game, Doc, if you don't mind. Because that game, our Wildcat, your friend and mine, colleague Tom Franklin, I believe, was the one doing radio for the uh, – the broadcast of that game, and I, I didn't know anything about the game until Tom mentioned it on uh, Facebook or Twitter that he was doing radio for the game, and that was in town, and that was like last week. I had no idea the game was, going, was being played here in town until last week. So I, You're not the only one. Quite a few people, other, and you're in the business, so that really says how sad they really uh, did this, but they found a way to put 35,874 in there. Uh, now, what I've seen on television, it didn't look as if it was that many in there, so they probably had a lot of good businesses that picked up some of the weight on the tickets. T-Boom Pickens money. 
Exactly, that kind of thing. Um, but I thought the bigger story on that was not only that, but like you said, Oklahoma State, uh, while it started, slowly pulled out that 21-3 to win over Mississippi State, and that's a 13th-ranked Oklahoma State Cowboys team. So it's interesting that while Alabama did their thing, Rolled over an ACC school in Virginia Tech, yes. Other than that, uh, a couple of the – and you had a big-time game in Cowboys Stadium uh, with um, – LSU and TCU. LSU and TCU and LSU. Very entertaining game with uh, LSU pulling out late in terms of another big victory. So it's going to be interesting to kind of wallow these games because you're going to see a lot more of them as they come. You'll be interested to see if you'll see um, San Antonio from around this area get into the business as now you see Texas – Houston get in because next year that matchup here in Houston will feature, which I think will get a lot more uh, power play is LSU playing Wisconsin Yes, uh, next year in that uh, Houston game. So it's interesting because as a fan that watched HBC sports, you know, Classic was one of the things that HBCUs did very well. And these kind of model that Classic appearance where you go to a professional stadium in a large metropolitan market, and you play. HBCUs have done this, you know, over 30, 40 years. And over the last 10 years, you started seeing the BCS programs get into it. So now you get into this new format with the playoffs starting next year. I think you can see a lot more of this. And I wonder, you know, how will this affect HBCUs in the classic matchups they did in terms of being able to continue to play in these stadiums? Because I've done some study on this, and I've seen the trend of classic attendance dip over the last eight years uh, precipitously uh, with about a 2% to 3% drop each year. Um, we've seen that, and we've had these tough questions with the Labor Day Classic. As we talked about, the attendance listed at about 18.3, uh, but many people in there would say it seemed like it was less than that in there uh, in terms of the indication of what's going on. Next year that game will be on Sunday, right after that LSU Wisconsin game that we talked about with Prairie View having the ownership of the game, playing on the Labor Day. They'll play it at Reliant instead of at BBVA. It'll be interesting to see how they do the marketing on that and how that affect with the game being the day before with LSU and Wisconsin and then moving to a Sunday to play the Texas Southern Prairie View game. And that's kind of why I want to tie all this in sure, sure. and kind of look at it in, in, as we give the people the information so they can start thinking about things and trying to figure out how this works. So that's very intriguing. Another component, uh, as we call it, the sports business side as a sports management professor, as well as my trade, not only do I want to give you information about what took place in the game and the score, but I also want to give you a little more insight about what's taking place in the business. And this is letting me thank everyone for listening so far and remind you, you are listening to a, another podcast by your truly KG, along with uh, the fifth Wildcat and Dr. Cavill. Uh, we're probably going to have to work on getting a catchier title. So we've got three of us now uh, doing doing our thing, sharing our knowledge with you. Thank you, as, as always, for listening. Uh, my website for the Houston Round Ball Review is HoustonRoundBallReview.com. Doc, I'm going to mention something to you. And Wildcat seen this. Let, let Wildcat talk first because he's seen it as well. I'm going to shift gears a little bit to a little bit of basketball locally. Uh, a few days ago, I think it was Wednesday or Thursday, the NCAA Women's Basketball released their attendance figures for the 2012-2013 season. And the total attendance for all the games, uh, Division One, Division Two, Division Three, was 11 million plus. I believe it's a little bit less on the Division One level than previous seasons. But the tweet wasn't phrased that way. The, the tweet was, 
thanking all the fans for attending women's college basketball games this past season. They sent out the numbers. Um, a few things real quick. Top 50 teams, Division One teams, once again, the teams in the bottom uh, 5, 45 through 50, 46 through 50, only average around 2,000 fans for the home games. That's top 50. So number one, I think, was Tennessee once again for maybe 11,000 plus. Tennessee, Connecticut, the people you, the usual suspects. Bottom, bottom group, 2,000. That's top 50. There's 300 plus Division One schools. Okay. I'm listening. Shifting it to the local schools that we we cover and care about. Here are the numbers. The average numbers for the home attendance for Houston Baptist, 319. That's 319. That's the average home attendance for HBU. My alma mater, U of H, Houston Cougars, 512. 512. Prairie View, 1,129. That's probably because of the double heads with the fellas, but still, it's 1,129. Rice Isles. Wildcat loves Rice Isles. See, he, I think HBU and Rice are his two favorite schools that he, he covers now, but the Rice Isles, 507. Texas A&M, it's a, it's a good drive, but I... I cover them, it. you know. Let's, let's, let's be honest, man. Let's be and honest. I enjoy. I'm glad I cover them because some of the other stuff I see in town locally is not worth a damn. But um, Aggies, five thousand five hundred five five hundred fifty-six. That's pretty good. But even Gary, Coach Gary Blair would not be thrilled with that. He'd probably like to see an average about seven thousand. And then, lastly but not least, Texas Southern average one thousand fifty-one. So we go from three nineteen up to from HBU to a high end of the Aggies fifty-five fifty-six. That's horrible. That is horrible. But weeks ago, we talked about once uh, Val Ackerman, now the commissioner of the, of, the, of, the, of the new Big East, did her white paper on ways to improve women's college basketball. One of the things that was hammered, hammered, hammered by Val and the committee that is, took some of the ideas to formulate ways to improve attendance was to put it in the lap of the head coaches and the schools to do a better job marketing their product and getting word out about their product. And locally, th- these numbers right here Pretty indicate to me that the c- these schools have not done a good job doing that, clearly. What are your thoughts on that? Definitely, because I think what's sad about that when you look at those numbers is the fact that you have a region of the country that has very nice high school women basketball. And as a person like yourself that covers it, I can tell as you look at those numbers how frustrated you are. So I think it is even a larger component of marketing than anything else because you have a group of individuals that would follow that game. The unique thing that you talked about in terms of looking at HBCUs with uh, Prairie View and Texas Southern is the fact that they partner still playing their games ahead of the men's game so they get a little bump in attendance. So that's even more in terms of being uh, scared in terms of the attendance when you look at the partnership. So they're going to have to get out there and market. I think overall in terms of these programs in our region, to be frank, I don't think they do a very good job at marketing. I think they pay a lot more attention to the sport and the coaching side than understanding the peripheral or what you call the staffing part, which talks about marketing, branding, understanding how to strategically align your partnership with um, what you do in the community. And let's be frank, you these individuals have to understand, you're in the city of Houston, which means people are understanding that this is entertainment. 
And being in a big time city means that you have to compete against that entertainment dollar. And we know for a fact that Houston has a lot of ways to provide entertainment for individuals. So you're going to continue to get what you get because they're perfectly aligned to do so unless they decide to change how they do business in terms of going after the entertainment dollar and being competitive in terms of marketing those sports. In this case, you're talking about women's basketball but let's be frank we really could be talking about all the sports including football which we know is a hotbed in the region but we just told you about the attendance numbers there and they're not necessarily anything to brag about particularly when you look at a game of the magnitude with oklahoma state and mississippi state when you compare it to what went down at atlanta and then in dallas which are similar type regional markets and what they were able to do in football attendance we need to get on the ball in the city of Houston to be a major metropolitan game that's doing it. And this is on the back end of what we're going to see in December with the SWAC championship game and the other bowl games around here. So we're going we're gonna to talk about this again, and we're going to see, do these people really get it? You know, speaking on that, all three of us may mention that we didn't know the game was going to be here in town, the Oklahoma State game. Uh, and then when we found out, it was after the fact, you know, it was it was coming up on to that day. They get thirty five thousand. Neither one of us was here to actually see it, but it tells you what happens when you have a fan base that will follow you, which is what happens. All three of us knows about that. This part of it, bowl games choose certain schools because of one factor only: following. How many people will show up and buy tickets? Whether they'll buy a, a hotel package or a ticket package. Who will actually buy tickets and put fans in the seats? That's how you get to a bowl game on a consistent basis. Now, the, when my compadre KG sent me the information on, on the tennis, it was almost like I looked at Prairie View and Texas Southern, and I'm going to be honest with you, I looked at it plainly from, from my point of view. It had to boil down to those two programs. One had been successful over a long period of time. The other had a new coach with a wow factor, and fa folks were showing up. Yes, it's a double hitter. The women play before the men, but at the end of the day, those numbers are real. True. You know, it's, it's, and and, and there were probably a few times during the SWAC season that there were more people at women's games than some fellow play. That's what I'm saying. So it all boils down to, and we've had conversations, KJ and I, with, with folks at the Final Four, people are always asking, you know, how can we get better? How can we get more folks in the stands? Coach Blad is one of the few people that I know of, know personally, especially coach-wise, that actually sells his program 24-7, whether he's in conversation, whether he's on the radio, whether he's on TV. He always talks about getting fans out. And the, the attendance can go up. But, you, KJ, you and I both know their structure of fans is more considered toward senior citizens, people that understand the game from back when they were young and they watched women's basketball. That's why it interests them. And they also, the other thing is those pro, the, the really successful women's programs, they do a lot of community work. You know, Thank you, right there. Coach Broaden got involved with the middle schools here in the area, not just in HISD, 
and they would have day games and all during the season. They would have one non-conference and one conference game, and they would get all these all these kids would come in, you know, for that game for that day. Now it may have been double hitter, you know, but it would been late, and the fellows would be playing later on that day. But at the end of the when you look at it, at the end of the season, that was probably their most attended game at while she was at Texas Southern. What's, what's Kids Day? What's yeah. Kids Day? Mm-hmm. And the only way you're gonna build up a fan base, you got to find where your fan base is. And if you can build up a fan base with a bunch of kids, you bring them in, and you have. And she was having camps and stuff, you know, during the summer. And then all boiled down to okay, you know, if you showed up, came to the game, she'd have prizes and offer folks and all, and offer you know free camp days. You got to sell. You got to find a way to sell your program. And speaking of, I actually talked to the the head women's basketball coach at Texas Southern University. Coach uh, Coach Hayes Perry? Coach, coach Janetta Hayes Perry? Coach Janetta Hayes Perry. And she sold her program. She actually did. But at the end, of, you know, whatever she's got coming up in our towards this season, this, this, uh, we'll find out, you know, in the, in the days coming. But at the end of the day, it still boils down to Dr. Cavill mentioned it, KJ has mentioned it, I've mentioned it, there's a lot of things going on here in the area to take care, uh, take your uh, entertainment dollar, and a lot of it is not about sports. So you have to find a way to build some, uh, something into the program, and you have to find a way to get especially young kids and parents being forced by the child, not by the, another adult, to bring their kid to a basketball game at Texas Southern, a game at Prairie View. U of H and Rice, they've got other mindsets and all going on they've just branding toward you know it's, it's all about football or, or something else but it's I, well i'm gonna just say it it's not that really a big concern for them women's basketball they're happy about having those programs being where they are but my goodness if prairie view and texas southern are averaging two to three times more than what you're bringing in at rice and u of h there's a problem Agreed. If I'm the AD, I got a problem with that. If you're the AD, yes, but unfortunately, we don't believe the ADs at Rice or UH well, has a problem with that. But you touched on you touched on the, talking about getting into the community, and that's one thing that Houston Baptist new head coach Donna Finney has made a point of is getting her players out and about in the community to get more people to come to Sharp Gym and see the Huskies play basketball. So, and I'm not saying Coach Buchanan and Coach Williams, you know, Coach Buchanan at U of H and Coach Williams at Rice don't do it. But if they do do it, they don't promote it well enough. Don't and, promote it at all. And, and and speaking for myself and the Wildcat, two people who spend a lot of time covering those two programs, right. if we don't know about it, they're not doing a good job promoting the program. Right. So that that's on them. But get tying it all in to back to the ACK. The ACK announced the American Athletic Conference, announced the women's basketball schedule. And U of H average attendance last season, 512. I know damn well it'd be, it'd be more than 500 people to come to Connecticut, come to town, and kick behind. I know that for a fact. Well, you got greatness coming to town, come to Hartfine Pavilion in, uh, I think it's in January, whatever, Gino Oriema and the eight-time champion, defending champion, Connecticut Huskies with the best could two, be, three players. Could be nine this year. And uh, probably will be nine um, coming to town in Hartfine Pavilion. There better be uh, a whole uh, lot more people. I better see fifteen hundred. I, I hell, I want three, four thousand folks come see Connecticut. I, it's not going to be a close game. Let's not kid no, ourselves. No, no, it's no. going to be a butt whooping. But you have a chance to see great champion, like you said, greatness, greatness. come to Hall Fines Pavilion. Game is uh, 
February 22nd. It's a Saturday. It's a Saturday. Time hasn't been determined yet because it's probably going to be on TV, ESPN, what have you. But I, I got quotes from Coach Buchanan. You can go to my blog, Houston Brown Bar View, Women's Hoops blog, and get the quotes from him. Read the quotes. He wants the Hawfines Pavilion to be a sea of red. He wants uh, uh, the six man, as he calls it, to come support the Cougs. And he knows it is a daunting challenge to face the Huskies. The talent, played, the talent level is just vastly different against, between against, what you have against 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 top tier programs, but Connecticut is the top top tier. It, it, it was it, it's, it's it's like let's be honest. It was like HBU going against Sam Houston yesterday. That's what you're looking at. Probably yeah. It's, it's, that's, it's, that's, it the be, that's the mark. That's the mark. If the Cougars stay within 30 points, I'll be shocked. Honestly, at any time. But you know, it's, it's a conference game. Connecticut's coming to town and. Gino Oriema is going to, I'm sure he's going to have some comments along the lines of Coach uh, Patino is a Coach Cal who, who criticized Rice when they came to town a few years ago and, and Rice was still playing and yeah, renovated, they're playing at Oxford Coach Calipari. Coach Cal called the showers they, they, a dump, called it a dump, basically, called it what it was. The first year they came, he, he wasn't prepared for it. The next year, he made sure when he came to, uh, to Oxford Court, he made sure that Memphis. Media came with him, and he showed them the area of the old dressing rooms where the visitors' teams were assigned. And folks, once he posted that interview, post game, and all, with I'm not going to say what was he was standing in the, sh- in the shower area of the old visitors at Archer Court in the background. And when he got done talking, it was a major move to get some changes oh, yes. done because he basically blasted them. He, he put them on blast. The dilapidated area that they were using for a visitor's locker room because everybody was using it. And, and the, the sad or the irony is Coach Willis Wilson, who was coaching at Rice, had been pushing and trumpeting for renovations and, and things, you know, for years over there from the cement floor, court, that players used to get hurt all the time, leg injuries all the time. But it took Don Calipari to embarrass Rice Athletics, basically, for action to finally be taken. But it got done, and uh, Tudor Fieldhouse is much, much better than Audrey Court used to be. So, But getting back to it, Connecticut's coming to town. Yeah, we talked about it. And uh, in February, Louisville's coming to town, be there one and only time as a member of the American Athletic Conference coming uh, to Hoffman's on January 21st, U of H women's basketball and U of H men's basketball are both playing on New Year's Eve. Hall Finance Pavilion, the U of H women host South Florida at 4 o'clock on December 31st. And then four hours later, the fellas host Connecticut men at 8 o'clock inside Hall Finance. I hope the place is packed for the fellas game. I don't expect anybody to be there for the U of H South Florida game, despite the fact South Florida went to the tournament last year and will probably go again. So, but... UVH has to do a better job marketing. The promotions need to start ASAP when you have greatness and the defending champion coming to your facility to play a game. You know, whatever giveaways you want to do, I, I don't care, you know, buy one, get one free, whatever. Have a chance to come see the defending national champion, the best player in the country in Brandon Stewart, the, probably the second or third best player in Stephanie Dolson, well, Kalina Mosqueda Lewis, the best center in Stephanie Dolson, 
that's greatness coming to town. And it's probably going to be on TV. I don't know why ESPN would want the game to be on TV to show a butt whooping like it's going to be. But they, still, it'll be, a chan- it. it'll be a chance for the high school kids in the area because I think the playoffs will be over by then. Well, right around, what, February 22nd, we right around playoffs, so it may be a little difficult for the team still playing to come see Hoffman. So that would be a great chance to promote your school, promote the floor, promote your program. When you have the defending national champions coming, so there should be a lot of high school players there, middle school players. That, that should be a kid's day. I, even on Saturday, you should have elementary school kids, middle school kids, high school kids, everybody to come to Hoffman Pavilion to see Gino Oriema and the Connecticut Huskies come in and show you what a great – basketball program looks like on the floor and show what U of H, what you could be 10 years from, from now, whatever you need to. That's, that is the epitome of greatness on the basketball floor. And I have respect for Gino. I don't always agree with everything that he says, but he has put together a great program, and it's a chance to see him come here. And I, I really do hope he has something to say about how Fonsbevin and things that need to be done because maybe that will help spearhead more things, more action being taken. So, I'm getting off my, my little soapbox there because that's months away from now, but we're still in football season, but I had tossed a little basketball there as well. The American announced the, the uh, schedule for women's basketball, 44 national t- TV games for the schools. Naturally, the Huskies are going to be on uh, the most, most of the time. Personally, every conference game played by the Huskies should be on TV. Yes. Every last one of them. I don't not, care about it. Not just regionally. No, no, no. Like they, no, like they Every last one of them should be on ESPN, ESPN2, ESPNU, whatever. Every, all 18 conference games that the Huskies are playing should be on TV, national TV, because they are the, the bell cow of the conference. They're it. Louisville's leaving, and after Louisville leaves South Florida, eh. But on a national level, yeah. everybody knows who Connecticut is. And if you want to be on TV, you have your, your chance to be on TV twice, playing Connecticut, <laughs> whatever. But Connecticut games should be on TV all 18 of them should be on TV, and they're not. And I don't understand that at all. Well, because women's basketball, you got to market the best of the best. And that's your pro. You, you have the defending champs in your conference. If you got to kiss some butt, whatever, put them on TV more than everybody else, so what? Who's going to complain? It's talking, you, you can't go to complain about, well, why are you coming on boys than us? Because you can't. <laughs> that's the bottom line. And your point is uh, very live in, 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 in living color, if you would. In terms of what you're talking about, you see it at the football level right here in our backyards uh, with the question with Texas. Uh, whenever they can, they put Texas on television in terms of football, and it's because they bring the television eyes to everybody, which really helps whoever they're versus the conference members because they're on television too. So that's the point you're making. So uh, I, I, I fully support that measure. If you can get people to watch your program, Eventually, it'll help you grow. It's kind of like what you had when Memphis uh, was doing their thing in Conference USA uh, at that time. You know, Memphis needed to be on television. Your chance to be on television is when you played it, whether it was home or away, and you sold it at that and marketed, which we've been talking about, that entertainment dollar. When you had that chance, get it done. Wrap it up, Doc. How can folks find They can follow me, find me at, again, Dr. Kenyatta Cavill. That's Facebook, Twitter, as well as Instagram, uh, you can follow me, send me an email directly if you want the weekly reports. That's K Cavill, K 
K-C-A-V-I-L at THG-Agency.com. Again, you can look at my information in terms of college sporting news for the weekly report called the Inside Huddle. You'll get a lot of information on games to watch as well in terms of also you can find me at TSPN Sports with the Top 10 poll. It will be released on Monday afternoon since we have the extended weekend with some big-time games. Obviously, the last big-time game HBCU-wise at the major division will be that Tennessee State hosting Bethune-Cookman, the number one team in Dr. Cavill's HBCU uh, poll this week. Some of the games I'm looking forward to next week, as we just talked about, is Prairie View traveling to see Texas State. Another one is you arguably some people will say this is the best team out of all HBCU programs will start off their season at the Division II level is Winston-Salem State Rams. They played in the championship last year. Another team that will be on there is a mix between uh, Division II and FCS programs. That's Tuskegee traveling to play Alabama A&M. That we told you got the big win on the road against Grambling State this weekend. So those are some of the games that are feature games. The FAMU-Tennessee State game, which will be in Tallahassee. We just told you the final score with FAMU beating up on Valley 27-20. So those are some games that I think uh, that are on the radar that uh, I'll just throw out there that we want to look at next year, next week. A couple, of, Another one is Arkansas Pine Bluff, which is the number two team in the poll against Mixed. Magnet State, we just told you what they did to USF, so I don't know if that's a good thing for the Golden Lions, so I'm kind of watching out on that one. And finally, two games that I will not be really interested in because I like to throw those out there because I just think they don't make sense when you play them. It's Clemson. They got that big win we just told you over Georgia. Guess who they face? South Carolina State Bulldogs. Mississippi State, they had a tough loss to Oklahoma State, so they're going to get it rolling as they host Alcorn State Braves next weekend. So I don't understand those kind of matchups in terms of HBCU programs. I know it's about the money, but as I've always said and my daddy's told me, all money is not good money, and I'm not sure if that's a good one. We just heard, as I told you, that what might the th- uh trail with um the trail excuse me jackson state tigers season as i told you was a, in my preseason poll was a top five team they lost a starting quarterback playing up against tulane uh fbs program um and i'm gonna finish i'm gonna finish with this the starting quarterbacks that we saw this this week how many weeks will they last in that position because two teams that i saw uh this week pilot started for u of h but O'Corn finished um, at HBU. Fleming started, but the freshman from Navasota, Ladarius, is going to probably finish. I'm looking three games into the season for both. Uh, by October 1st, I think it will be a change at those two positions at those two schools. And this is the Fifth Ward Wildcat, AKSV, the CSR, on Twitter, Blogger, and YouTube. Thank you, fellas, and I'm KG. Going to wrap it up here very briefly. Uh, the Rockets signed Ronnie Brewer a few days ago, uh, free agent forward. He's going to be help out on defense. He's more of a swingman, much no, more known for his defense than he is for his offense. Rockets now have 19 guys in training camp, <clears throat> one less than the maximum of 20. So, so it's going to be some good competition in training camp. Looking forward to that a few weeks away. My website is HoustonRoundBarReview.com. I'm on Twitter at T-H-E. HR review. I'm going to confuse you a little bit right now. My Instagram account is Houston Roundball Review, not T H E H R Review. So right now it's Houston Roundball Review, as in the website. So I have no pictures posted on there yet, just yet, because I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to do with that stuff. But it's on there. Thank you as always for listening. Tell your friends about it. We're trying to do bigger and better things for you. As always, 
in conclusion. Be true, be cool, and do more.